Welcome to the Earning the Push podcast. My name is Jack Murley. I am a professional broadcaster joined each week by professional rugby player Charlie Beckett to talk about everything happening in the world of professional wrestling. This week's episode was meant to be a celebration of AEW All In, and we will talk about that later in the broadcast, but we have to start with news that broke just hours before we came on air. The tragic loss of Wyndham Rotunda, otherwise known as Bray Wyatt at the age of just 36. It has rocked the professional wrestling world. Charlie, I hate to start the show on such a tragic and sombre note, but there's no other way to begin. I think we're all still processing this awful, awful news. Yeah, it's... I, I woke up here in Australia to a message from you and Jack, you, you don't know Jack Murley, but Jack Murley doesn't very, very rarely swears. Jack Murley doesn't swear. And I just had a text that was the F word and then Bray Wyatt's died. And I was like, I, I was half awake, half asleep, breathing. And I was like, well, what, what? I was like, is this some hideous, hideous dream? And then obviously went on Twitter and saw Triple H's tweet. And it was just, it's beyond heartbreaking. I feel like we use heartbreaking a lot and tragic a lot but this is as tragic as it gets the man was 36 years old with all of his life before him he leaves a wife and four kids and it's just there are no words for how sad this is on the human side before you even look at the sadness of the wrestling side of all the untold potential and storylines that have gone with him because anyone you hear talk about him says one he was the most incredible wrestling mind we'd obviously heard uh through reports that he had been ill uh, and then we'd heard that he was apparently, everyone believed, recovered brilliantly and was on his way to making a return. It was a when, not if, he was going to return to the ring and he was training and he was going to be back on our screens and we were all very excited for it. And then I saw it was uh, Sean Ross Sapp was, um, was given permission, I think, by the family, I imagine, to reveal that what happened, that he just had a heart attack yesterday and unfortunately dropped dead. And it's just, there are there there are no words for how sad it is and I saw the WWE very classly have said all profits from any of his merch sold now will go to his family to help, and I'm sure the wrestling community will come together and just buy everything that there is online for Bray Wyatt and help any way we can. But you see the all the tributes online. I know whenever anyone dies, there's always tributes online, but I think every wrestler to a man and woman who is who I can think of has given a very heartfelt message about what the man, Wyndham Rotunda, and the character Bray Wyatt meant to them. And it seems like he was just one of the best people around in the locker room I and mean, it's just absolutely heartbreaking for him for the industry but most importantly for his uh for his family it's one of those tragic coincidences when i was trying to think when did i last feel this because a little later we'll talk about the loss of terry funk which while equally sad is a very different situation a 79 year old man who has lived a long and fulfilled life versus a 36 year old and i came back to Luke Harper, Brody Lee, I think that's the last time that wrestling felt like this, perhaps Jay Briscoe. And in each of those situations, you have those two feelings of, my God, the the family and the man is, is first and foremost in our hearts, but then just what they still had left to achieve in the industry they loved is... is it, it's so hard to put into words, and we're having to go through it too often, and it is just so tragic to see all those memories and photos that remind you what a young and loved man he was. Um, let's talk about his legacy, because he's left a hell of a legacy in professional wrestling. And if I'm less articulate today than I may like to be, it's because I think I'm like lots of fans. I stayed up to about 2am just watching Bray Wyatt videos, and you realise how blinking good he was. Yeah, and I think there was a lot of feeling for a long time of 
frustration at maybe untapped potential with Bray Wyatt, not due to his fault at all, but to create him where they went with him. And I think what is the only shining, not not a shine light, the saving grace of this, and so to speak, is no one will remember that. No one will talk about what he could have done because he did so much. Like the man was a multi-time tag team champion, a one-time WWE champion, a two-time Universal champion, and the creator and innovator of some of the greatest characters we've seen not just in the last 15, 20 years ever in WWE. I think our first incarnation of this show started as The Fiend was coming about. That was just as we started recording and working together. I think The Fiend was just started to come in. I think I remember saying at the time, it seemed like, to me, the most organic and best original character WWE had done since The Undertaker. And looking back, I think that holds a muster. I know The Fiend had some interesting moments and there was times where it didn't seem to make sense, but the excitement that when the lights went out and the theme music started and you saw him come out in that maniacal mask was sensational. But even even away from that, like most wrestlers coming through, if you offered them one of Bray Wyatt's runs, either as Bray Wyatt, the cult leader, uh, leader of the Wyatt family, the first incarnation of the Wyatt family, then the addition of Daniel Bryan, the addition of Randy Orton, you give him any of those three, they take it. He had all three. You offer them the run as the fiend, they'd take it. He had that. You offer his last run where he came back and was just himself, they'd take that, the ovations he took. So I think you've got to look at the fact that I saw a tweet earlier, someone saying it's incredibly hard, especially in modern day wrestling, to get any character over, to get any over. Bray Wyatt on a monumental scale got three or four different and unique characters over. Like, go and watch the Firefly Funhouse. It's the most original and unique thing I think WWE has put out in the last 20 years. It's sensational. And the fact that the company allowed him and trusted him to do that with John Cena, he basically tore apart John Cena's career and highlighted all the faults in John Cena's career but in the most respectful and organic way. And it, WWE let him do that as to their golden goose. And that shows how highly he was thought of. And it is heartbreaking from a purely wrestling point of view, the things we will never find out now, the things we will never see, the storylines we will never get to enjoy. But more important than that, go on the network and watch everything he's done because he didn't really miss Bray Wyatt. Like, he had these wild ideas and all of them basically stuck. Yeah, and it, even if one Bray Wyatt wasn't your favourite, you'll find another. I, I was never in on The Fiend. It just didn't tickle my particular fancy. But last night, as I was binging those moments in the early Bray Wyatt cult leader where the lights go out and the entire arena is singing whole world in his hand and they've got their mobile phones up. I mean, that was so unique at the time. And I was fortunate enough to, to have seen Bray Wyatt perform a couple of times. And I can remember the electricity, uh, the television tapings where he squared off with Team Hell No and The Undertaker. And then with The Shield, I mean, if you are a younger fan, because we are now at that point where The Shield and The Wyatt family is almost 10 years ago at Elimination Chamber, which... See, you finally start feeling old, Charlie. That's the thing. Welcome yeah, to my world. Yeah. Go and watch that because the, the you cannot understand the buzz of these two factions squaring off and they delivered. He could go in the ring and, man, it's just so sad that we won't get to see what he did next and, and that pales in significance to what his family and friends are going through. But what a legacy. You never get to choose your time to go and he has left a hell of a legacy. No, I, I entirely agree and like say, if you haven't seen him go watch that 2013 Shield versus Wyatt family, the original incarnation of the Wyatt family, like that's one of the greatest matches in the last 15 years of WWE. That will hold the test of time forever. That will stand the test of time. It's incredible. 
2017 Elimination Chamber, he won the WWE title. Incredible. The whole storyline, yes, the WrestleMania match was weird, but the whole storyline with Randy Orton and Luke Harper, that strange incarnation of the White family, brilliant. He needs to take credit. You, you watch Braun Strowman's Twitter at the moment. Braun Strowman, we wouldn't have had Braun Strowman without um, without Bray Wyatt. He brought him through. He taught him everything. He, he is his mentor. And it, it, it is so sad that we will miss so much. I saw... I almost, I've been very emotional about this today because someone that young dying gets to me, but the, the time I nearly got choked was I saw someone tweeted a picture of him and Luke Harper and someone just said, heaven's got a new tag team champion. And I was like, oh, that's got me. And the number of wrestlers who said, say hi to Brody for me. So if there is any solace in this, there's two great friends are back together, but just far, far, far too soon. Yeah, incredibly emotional, very difficult time. I know that lots of folks I know in the wrestling industry who've based their character on Bray Wyatt's creativity and ingenuity uh, are feeling a lot of pain. I suspect you are as well if you're listening to this, but what a what a legacy to leave and what a reminder of what a great talent he is. So we send our, our thoughts and our prayers and our love to the family of Bray Wyatt and, and to you if you're struggling as well. There's no greater way to honour the character than just to carve out a couple of hours in your day and sit down and just watch some of the great stuff that Bray Wyatt has done. Um, and we will continue to keep him in our thoughts and our prayers as we go forward. Let's talk about some other things. There's no easy way to seg out of it, but Bray Wyatt had a love of wrestling. If you're listening to this podcast, you have a love of wrestling. And my, oh my, what a weekend it is for professional wrestling. There really is only one topic in town from a purely business point of view, and that is AEW's All In. It's a matter of days away as we talk. And Charlie, as we begin to look at some of the positives of wrestling, I think we need to acknowledge how huge this is for professional wrestling as a whole. 80,800 tickets sold for AEW All In at Wembley. That surpasses WWE's record of tickets sold for WrestleMania 32 of 80,700. Just let those figures sit with you for a minute. It's mad. It's just bonkers. It's astonishing. But before we move on, we have to get it out of the way. The elephant in the room. I'm bitter. I'm jealous. I'm twisted. Jack Murley is going to All In, and because I'm in stupid Australia, having this stupid life experience, it's been the stupid best four months of my life, I'm playing fresh rugby over here, I'm not going. And it's really ticked me off, and I'm not happy about it, so I've got that off my chest. I've had a few people say to me, I've had a few people say to me, is Charlie coming? And I was like, no, Charlie's not coming. Charlie wants to come, but Charlie's in Australia. Yeah, the, I dared him to message me and ask if I'm going to see what happens. Um, no, it is very exciting. I, if you're on the business side of things, the numbers are staggering. And I saw, I loved the MGF interview this week where he was just like, I don't get why wrestling fans are so tribal and toxic. Like He's like, we're not the companies. He's like, the wrestling WWE are buzzing for us that we've sold 80,000 at Wembley. We're really excited of the pre-sales that they saw that WWE have almost sold 100,000 tickets already across the two nights for WrestleMania in Philadelphia this year, which is mad. They've got, I think I saw WWE have got 16 tickets left for Survivor Series. Like, wrestling is just in the best place it has been probably since the Attitude Era. Like, this is a new golden era of wrestling and it's so exciting and so much credit has to go. We 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 give a hard hard line a lot of the time to AEW and Tony Khan for a lot of their on-screen product. I don't apologise for that. But off-screen, their business is sensational sensational and the fact that they are three and a bit years old and are doing the biggest show in the history of wrestling you just have to applaud and it has given this lightning rod to the business that wasn't in the best place and has made everyone up their game and it's just 
fantastic. It is hard, isn't it, to not to not quantify it in an inappropriate way. And by that, I mean, every time I want to say they've sold the most tickets of every wrestling show ever, you want to go apart from WWE. And then you go, no, they they have outsold the biggest WrestleMania for ticket sales ever. If these numbers are to be believed, and we have no reason to believe they're not, they've looked at WWE's iconic brand. The best brand in wrestling is WrestleMania, at AEW, at their first time in a stadium show, with, let's be honest, some pretty shaky builds, which we'll talk about later, have knocked that number out of the park. And I remember when they announced this, you and I sat here, cut, they get 30,000, they'll be lucky, to, to quantify it. Previous to Wembley, AEW's best previous attendance was Grand Slam 2021 at the Arthur Ashe Stadium, which drew 20,177. We're now at 80,000. 800 with still a few tickets on sale. They've doubled their best number and then doubled that new number again. Well, we sat in him and went, he's an idiot for not doing Graven Cottage. He owns it. What What a moron. It, it's, it's remarkable. And what will be very, very interesting is, will they bring this back to England every year? Because if so, Wembley becomes AEW's. WWE will have to go and find somewhere else in England because you can't just copy competition. So it'll be fascinating to see what they do. But it's so exciting and brilliant for wrestling. And, oh, you've got a good show to watch, Jack. We'll talk about that in, in a moment. I, I just want to do one little more thing on the business of the business, because I, I am curious, right? Is this show selling out because of the card? Is it because of AEW, the brand? Or is it because of just how hot this European scene is? For example, if we'd put money in the bank at Wembley, would that now be hitting these sort of numbers? Is it just European wrestling fans are so foaming at the mouth, tribal for content, that that anyone could have done this. I don't mean to be disrespectful, but is it is it the audience are there rather than what AW has done? So I absolutely don't think it's the build because we didn't have a build until about three weeks ago. We haven't mentioned it. So you can't credit the build and the card. You can't give that credit. What you can credit is what AEW have built over three years and that the fan this announced the fans trusted that a show of this magnitude that a show, sorry, that was worth the magnitude of this would be put on, which it has. So you have to credit AEW there. Um, I think if um, Impact Wrestling, for example, had done this, I don't think they'd be selling out because I don't think they have the the reputation to fall back on. That's no sly on Impact Wrestling, but it's hard to sell 80,000 tickets to anything. Um, so I think you have to credit AEW there. And I think they're very clever to put it here in the UK, in London, because the UK scene is wild. There is a ridiculous fandom here. And the European scene is wild, and it's very easy to get to London from everywhere in Europe. They've been very clever with where they've picked. So I think you have to credit, you can't give no credit to AW. You've got to give a huge amount of credit to AW. But if they'd put this in America, I don't think they sell 80,000 tickets because I don't think there is the desire to go and watch wrestling in America because they haven't been starved of it in North America for this long. We have had, before Clash of the Castle, we'd had nothing for 30 years. So we've had two major shows. Since then, this is our third major show in 30 years. So, to answer your question, I think if WWE put money in the bank there, I think we'd be looking at similar numbers. I really do. I do think, and I am, I'm still shocked that they didn't put it at a stadium. I think it was a misstep from WWE. I think they probably, uh, they probably accept that now. I think they got spooked by booking Alliance Arena in Las Vegas last year. From in the bank and then having to move the MGM Grand because they only sold about 10,000 tickets. But we're in a different place now with wrestling a year on and 
the UK scene, European scene is wild. So to answer your question, yes, I think if Money in the Bank had been put there, we'd be looking at similar uh, similar sort of numbers. Um, but you can't not give credit to AW for this. No, and and you have to take the risk. If you're that company, as we said when they announced it, this is a this okay. If you sell thirty thousand, it's a success. But it, you could also look pretty stupid if you don't. They took this risk, and it's absolutely paying off. He's Charlie underscore Beckett, by the way, on Twitter. I'm Jack underscore Merley. Rate, review, and subscribe. Could Edge be coming to AEW? We'll get onto that a little later in the podcast because that is just one part of the conversation in a bonkers wrestling week. Let's talk about the card. We won't go through all 11 matches, but up until Dynamite on Wednesday, I think it's fair to say there was some conjecture about how good a job AEW had done about hyping these matches. Then they hit an absolute home run, in my opinion, on Dynamite this Wednesday. I am now so excited. I was excited for the atmosphere. I was excited for the history. I was pretty so-so on some of the matches. I'm now all-in on all-in. And no doubt about the biggest match on the card, MJF versus Adam Cole for the AEW World Championship. Charlie, I'm making you the booker. How are you finishing this storyline? What are you doing? I'm having Cole walk out as champion. Shooting to win. I can't give specifics of how. But Adam Cole has to go heel. And I think, do they win the Ring of Honor tag titles at the start of the night? I don't know, because how do you then do that moving on with them having split because of this? Does Cole cheat in a way that MGF doesn't realise, like a handful of titles? I don't know. I don't know what I do specifically. But MJF has to come out of this as the face. He's doing face promos. He's doing face interviews. People are ready to cheer for him. We've done this. He looks like he's enjoying being able to be a good guy a little bit. Adam Cole is one of the best heels in wrestling. He is just chef's kiss perfection as a heel. And I think this is the double turn no one ever saw coming. No one knew we needed, but we do. And I think it has been the storyline we didn't know we needed, mm. but we did. And it's been handled brilliantly up to this place. And I think you could see through their interviews this week with Renee Paquette, Cole is coming across heel. It's all there. Are we being lulled into an MJF's turn? I don't know, but I'd absolutely have, I said this from the start, Adam Cole turn on MJF. You were actually, in fairness, you were the one who who pointed it out to me what a great thing that would be to do because I, I didn't see it coming. So credit where credit is due. Charlie Beckett foresaw that this could be the way they go. This is the first time I've ever felt this way about an AEW pay-per-view. I felt this a lot about the Bloodline storyline previously where you go i don't know how this is going to play out i'm really excited to see where this next episodic storyline goes and i think for the first time i'm sort of in that point where if they don't pull the trigger on mjf i feel like i get how cody fans felt after wrestlemania i feel like this is this is your chance to do it you'll never get a bigger or better opportunity and and I just hope they go with it. I don't want us to be talking about dynamite afterwards, where where MJF is a heel saying, oh, "I fooled you all." You know, I I just I'm ready for something new. Yeah, this is the first time in the history of AW I've been excited to see what happens next for the story. I've been excited to see matches. I was excited to see Punk return. I've been excited for moments, but for the story, this is the first time I've been excited and nervous. Like I'm nervous of how they handle this, and that's exciting. So, yeah, I agree. We don't we we don't need to see MJF screw someone over again. We've seen it a million times. We I, I'm just so ready for MJF to be betrayed 
as the first time he's let someone in. I just, yeah, that's the way this has to go, I think. I want to throw something out, and it, it's fairly unformed in my head, but if I get this right, I'll look like a blinking genius. Did you notice at the end of his promo, MJF said something like, I'm looking forward to doing it with my best friend? He didn't say Adam Cole. I wonder if there's some way that they're going to bring Punk into this storyline with MJF. We've got two world titles out there. We've got Punk sort of floating around lower on the card with Samoa Joe. I could be 100% wrong. I probably will be. But I just thought that for a man who is so careful with his words and for a company that is all about the subtlety, I wonder if there's going to be some sort of thing happening with MJF and another at the end where his best friend isn't Cole. There's someone else floating around out there. I just, I, I wouldn't like it, but I just, I didn't think that was an accident. I don't know. I hope not. Yeah. I, this doesn't need to become common. The only outside influence I want to see in this is Roddy Strong because he's been involved. I can see Roddy Strong and I could see us starting to build a heel faction with Adam Cole because we know that's money. That works. Adam Cole leading a heel faction where they have titles works. It, it, it's signed, sealed, delivered. It's done. We know that works. So I could see them going that way. I, I don't want CM Funk anywhere near this. I, I don't want him near it. But you just said, let's not overcomplicate it. Have you met Tony Khan? Have, have you know, it's, <laughs> true. it's true. It's true. Yeah. It's true. Also, heel factions. One Mrs. Britt Baker is floating around out there. And now we're talking about the kingdom being sort of rejuvenated and being brought back. Wouldn't you love to see a heel faction where Britt was in it as well and re-established as the top woman in, in what's been a pretty stagnant women's division? I mean, that could be money as well. Yeah, 100%. And I, I like when they... they lean into and acknowledge real life relationships and rest like we all know we all know they're together so let them work together and have fun if that's what they want to do and they're two very very good heels and they are they could very easily be the king and queen of AWR. i would like that a lot yeah i think that'd be great so obviously that's a main event no one knows how it's going to play out that is a joy of professional wrestling chris jericho and will osprey for many a bit of a rogue choice particularly when you could have match made omega osprey three they went with Jericho and Osprey. They took a bit of a convoluted route to get there with Don Callis and Chris Jericho. Again, I feel Dynamite absolutely put this angle over the top. Will Osprey and Chris Jericho, if you just have read about that promo contract signing on whatever website you use, it may not come across how hot that was because that was absolute money. Yeah, there was real heat just too really, really good professional wrestlers doing some professional wrestling, i.e. promos, wasn't it? It was just two guys who are really good what they're doing, just stripping back all the other stuff and just being like, I don't like you, you don't like me, and we're going to have a fight about it. And at the end of the day, that's kind of what wrestling is. So this is a sleeper potential match tonight, and I think that place is going to go berserk for one William Ospreay. That place is going to go mad. And I'm really worried that Chris Jericho is going to start singing Judas because he's performing it himself, and they're going to boo him. Oh, well, here is the thing, right? If someone says, what are you looking forward to at, at this show? And again, I apologise, you're not going to be there, but I think it'll be true for you as well. What are you looking forward to doing? We all want to sing Judas. That's what we want to yes. do. I think this show and this match has the potential to be AEW's Rock Hogan moment. Okay, I, I don't know how we're going to get there because I cannot pick the dynamics of this. I, don't, I, I think Will Ospreay is meant to be the heel, but he's not said very many heelish things and he's in Wembley. He's getting cheered in England. That right. man is getting cheered. So, so is, but, but Jericho's been portrayed... At, 
just call them wrestler A and wrestler B, okay? Yeah. Wrestler B brains wrestler A from behind, calls him out, attacks him, is aligned with wrestler A's nefarious former friend. Wrestler A says, I phoned you to stop you being in a wheelchair. I'm helping you. And yet we're going to get to Wembley and wrestler A is going to get booed and wrestler B. On paper, this will make no sense. But when you're there, there's no way Osprey can be a heel. Professional wrestling, baby. That's how we do things. But, you know, it. I don't know how it's going to play out, but God, I'm intrigued by how that comes across. And also, they'll deliver on the match front. They're two guys who are too good at this. And Jericho is still one of the greats. Still still in this age, he's one of the greats. And he might not be as athletic as he used to be, but he tells a goddamn story. And you don't need to be athletic when you've got Will Ospreay opposite you. And, and also, what a combination. Because I know Ospreay is having five-star, five-and-three-quarter-star matches. He's off the Meltzer scale. No one can tell me Chris Jericho can't bring an even better match out of Will Ospreay psychologically. So that's going to be amazing. We're getting a stadium stampede as well. Don't even talk to me about who's in it and who isn't because this has been up in the air. We know and why they're in it. <laughs> it's this is like this is like the soccer aid of all in. It's just some names you know, some names you don't. They're just going to put it all out there on the pitch, and what you get is what you get. Yeah, do you remember when um, Zinedine Zidane was up front next to um, this is really bad. I've forgotten his name. The man who voices Shrek. Oh, Mike Myers. Mike Myers. That was. They were the strike partnership for the rest of the world one year, and that's what this is like. Um, I texted this during the week. I am fascinated how Stadium Stampede comes across in the stadium. As in, we all know it's bonkers. We all know it's ridiculous. It's wrestling with a capital R, but it's fun to watch on telly. You're all just going to be watching the big screens in Wembley. It'd be really interesting how this comes across. I'm fascinated. It will be interesting, and also... I'm so intrigued because this is my production broadcast hat on. I'm fascinated by how they do this. Like, we haven't seen yet any stages sort of be leaked as to what this is going to look like. Um, WWE is the master of doing this. When we went to Clash, you look and you go, oh, okay, this is WWE. We've got the big screen. We've got AEW has never, ever had to put on something of this scale. WCW hasn't. New Japan sort of come close, but not really. So what's AEW's take on what a stadium show looks like, sounds like, feels like? Do they copy that WWE model? Is there another way to do it? Because that will impact on the stadium stampede. I think that's a really interesting part of this. And you know Mox has rung someone up at Wembley and gone, can we use the arch? (laughs) Can we get up there? And they're going, no, no, you can't. No one can get up there. You know why they're saying no? Because they go, we got this guy in makeup. He's in his 60s, wears black and carries a baseball bat. He's already up there. He's going to jump off it. And he likes jumping off big things. No, (laughs) no, we can't do that. So look, it's a hell of a card. Elsewhere, Darby and Sting versus Swerve and Christian Cage. Again, a late change to that. That's now a coffin match. We've got Hangman Page. Why not? Sorry, I don't I'd miss that that was a coffin match. That's, that, that's news to me. I just found that out. Yep, coffin tag team match. Darby Allen and Sting against Swerve Strickland and Christian Cage. Um, Hangman Page, Kenny Omega and Koto Ibushi versus Takeshita and Bullet Club Gold. FTR versus the Young Bucks. Uh, we're getting the acclaimed versus House of Black in a trios match as well. FTW title on the line, Hook and Jungle Boy. The Women's Championship is up for grabs too. I mean, CM Punk against Samoa Joe for the real world championship. It... I'm not getting out of there much before Wednesday for a start. This is going to go long. 
yeah, you're in there for a while. You're you're in there for a good three days or so. Um, how are you managing with the fact you're going to see Hook in person? I'm fine. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool. Just yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. You know, good. I'll, I'll, I will be like Ken in the Barbie movie. Just yeah. hey, Hook. <laughs> I'm enough. Um, how good the Billy Gunn's back as well. I know the, this is. Do you know what I do think it is? I think a couple of things on this. Firstly, I was looking at this card, and anyone who says AEW is just WWE cast off doesn't know what they're talking about because actually this card is built predominantly amongst folks who never were in WWE or, or really at best were NXT standouts, never had that chance on the main roster. But also for your Billy Guns, your Stings, your Moxleys, your Jerichos, they will never have thought they would have a chance to do this again certainly not be on the biggest selling wrestling show of all time so what a moment for them to enjoy i'm glad for these guys yeah like you look at it mox turned down one of the most lucrative deals in ww history to go to aw because he was unhappy like this man went i'm gonna put my happiness before my career and now he's doing this and it's brilliant and jericho could have very easily just stayed in wwe been a legend there forever took the risk to move on these guys the claudios this world the adam coles the the um, Samoa Joes, all these people. Sorry, I was I almost choking to death there on my, on my own throat. Um, <laughs> that's why I went hard for a little bit there. Uh, all these guys who decide there was another gig in town, they will go and take the risk. And it's a huge risk, especially when you've got families that these guys have. It's a massive risk to walk away from WWE. It just justifies their decision. And I'm really just, I've, I'm gutted for uh, Brian Danielson that he's injured for it because that it seems like the sort of show that he deserves to be on as well. The one person I'd like to single out here, because you're right about Danielson, is just a word for Soraya, who timing has not been her friend. She was just a little too early for the women's revolution, although without her, I doubt it would have happened. And then she had injuries, and then her comeback to AEW perhaps has not been what she wanted. Perhaps it has. I don't know. But what I can guarantee is she will get to perform in front of the biggest paid crowd in wrestling history in her hometown. I know her family and friends are going to watch it. For her, who thought her career was over, just that's probably a microcosm of how lots of these AEW folks feel. But for her, very special time. Yeah, huge. Do that in your home country in front of your friends and family. Massive, massive, massive. It's it's just so exciting for wrestling. I mean, for us as wrestling fans, it's so exciting. And I'm just very, very, very jealous. Here's the other thing. And by the way, he's Charlie underscore Beckett on Twitter. I'm Jack underscore Merley. If you thought it was just enough for AEW to be putting on the biggest paid show in wrestling history this week, that would be all. Yeah, fine. There is significant speculation ramping up that Edge, yes, that Edge could be on his way to AEW. His WWE contract is up. We know that thanks to a video he released yesterday. We know that he, according to him, has a contract extension unsigned sitting in his inbox. And we also know that there is significant speculation that AEW are offering him huge amounts of money to come in. I didn't believe it. I'm still not sure I believe it. But wrestling is so bonkers. It could well happen. So first of all, if if Edge decides not to sign, if he wants to forward that contract on to me, I'm actually a free agent now. I'm I'm unattached. So am I the hottest free agent on the wrestling scene? Maybe. Who knows? Um, yeah, this is wild. I So it, there was loads of speculation. I, what I love about Edge is just like, ah, F it. I'm not doing speculation. I'll just put a video out explaining what's going on. Just with his coffee on his deck in the morning, be like, look, They've offered me a contract. I haven't signed it. Not because I'm unhappy with it or unhappy with them. I just don't know what I want. And you're like, yeah, fair. 
And what was really nice to hear was him talk about how happy he was with his finish on with Sheamus on Friday night. That if that is him, that's him done. He's happy to go out like that. And I think that's the interesting thing here is from a man who didn't get the ending he wanted first time. If he resides WWE, if he starts to end on something that's not as good as that, that will always eat away at him. So does that mean he wants to end wrestling with that or end with WWE like that? Because you can go to AEW and do something different and still have your last match in WWE be that, even if your AEW run isn't what you want. So it's really, really interesting. There's so much potential of what he could do in AEW. That, like off the top of your head, obviously Christian's there, the Hardys are there. That just makes sense straight away. Someone ring the Dudleys up and get them out of retirement for one match. There, there, there's just potential there, isn't there? Then the, the sorts of people, like you sent me a list of there, like Edge, CM Punk, Edge, Adam Cole, Edge, Daniel Bryan again, Brian Danielson, sorry, Edge, Darby Allen. There's so many matches you'd love to see. I'd love to see Edge and Malachi Black have a match, and that would be sensational. So I'm torn because I love Edge, and he's a WWE man, and he's got one of the greatest WWE careers of all time. And you'd hate to see him go to AEW and for whatever reason it not work and tarnish it and think he's done already. But on the flip side, what I get that would be for AEW, how exciting that would be. So I don't know what I want to happen. If he does go to AEW, I want it to be a surprise like him coming out of the Rumble in 2020. I don't want to know anything. I just want to hear that music go. And we know Tony Khan will pay what he needs to get the music. Yeah, Tony Khan will get the music. He'll get the person who does the You Think You Know Me at the start. I wonder, you know, I wonder whether wrestling has passed into a new era where there is no such thing as a WWE guy or gal or AEW guy or gal because I've been saying to everyone, I, I can't, he, he, he's WWE through and through. And then you go, yeah, but Cody started AEW. He literally set it up. And now is Cody Rhodes an AEW guy or a WWE guy? He, he WWE to his core. Even though he started the other company, I just, until I see it, I won't believe it, but I think now it's probably more likely to happen than not. And also, what I will say is credit to WWE, who I would assume knew that Edge hadn't signed, who I would assume knew that if he hadn't signed, there's potentially going somewhere else, and they still gave him that moment in, in, in Canada. Regardless of what else happens, that is a very classy move by WWE. They've done business the right way. Yeah, and it's not something you can always say about WWE in the past, is it? So that was... Nice to see for someone who deserves it. It's hard to say that Edge doesn't deserve that. That was good to see. Yeah, absolutely. Look, um, sadly, we do have to talk about another passing. We mentioned it briefly at the top of the hour. Terry Funk, an absolute legend. We know that the Funker has in recent years been struggling with his health. And sadly, it was just one battle he was unable to kick out of this week. Passing away at the age of 79, a former NWA champion, two-time ECW champion, WWF tag team champion, multiple-time Hall of Famer. One of the all-time greats doesn't do him justice. No one had a bad word to say about him. Um, very sad news in a different way to the Bray Wyatt, but sad nonetheless. Yeah, extremely sad. I'd like to say different because it's a, it's a full life well lived. You can't begrudge him because, my God, that man got more into his 79 years than most of us will get into 200 if we had them. And, oh, you talk about tough SOBs. Terry Funk is right at the top of the list. You go and watch some of the things he did in a wrestling ring. Oh, it would make your mother cry. Um, yeah, a, an incredible career, an incredible man. Like you say, no one, no one had a bad word to say about him ever. It seemed beloved by all. An incredible wrestling brain, an incredible wrestling personality, incredible performer. The wrestling world is a worse place for not having Terry Funk in it anymore. But also a better place because he came through it. And actually, 
you look at it and and Terry Funk is not going to be the number one in any list of wrestling, but he's going to be in the top 10 for everything. But literally technical skills, Terry Funk's in the top 10. Promos, got to be Terry Funk. Putting over new talent, new companies. Yeah, the Funk has got to be in the top 10 for that. Literally every aspect that makes you great as a wrestler, Terry Funk is in the conversation for being one of the best to ever do it. No, I don't think we'll ever see anyone like him Again, I was having this conversation with someone this week. Maybe a Jericho could have that sort of legacy in the future, but very hard to see anyone else who can ha- say they've had a funk-like career, which makes him a trailblazer. Yeah, absolutely. At the forefront and precipice of a lot of what makes wrestling great, he he changed the game and then changed it again. Just absolutely brilliant. And like I say, the wrestling world is a far poorer place for now for not having Terry Funk in it anymore. Certainly is. Let's do... Everyone's favourite part of the podcast. Let's bring some light relief to what's been an episode of of dark and light. Um, earning the push and back to developmental. Something from everyday life we love gets a push. Something we hate goes back to developmental. First or second, Mr. Beckett? I'll go first this week. Go for it. Hit me. Earning the push was the Women's World Cup final. Uh, I went. I got last minute tickets. You never did. Yes, 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 yes. We got tickets the day of. Uh, it was very, very shady. We bought them off someone at the ground. Um, we we got in contact with someone in the day who was selling tickets at the price they were they bought them for, and then met them at the ground and then moved them over from one phone to them. Like FIFA have a very good system for how you do it. That fair play to FIFA is all done very well. Could see they were legit. Gave her the money. Um, we were three rows back from the absolute back in the top tier. Like we were we were as high as some of the planes flying over the stadium, but it was. Incredible. Yes, it wasn't the result we wanted. Obviously, that was a shame. But the atmosphere was phenomenal. Just brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. So to be able to go to a World Cup final that England were in was sensational. And I said this to a friend of mine, um, I think it's out on Twitter as well, like women's sport has well and truly last few years arrived and it isn't going anywhere. Like there was little boys, little girls, grown men, grown women, everyone going berserk for this final. So it's been really cool to be in Australia while it's been on this World Cup and to get to go to the final was a bit of a bucket list moment to tick off, actually. Yeah, absolutely. And and what I think is is we've got to get used to losing World Cup finals. If, we, if we're going to be at the level where we're going to get to World Cup finals, which is what we want, sometimes you just don't win and we don't need an anguished post-mortem after every Cup final go, oh, what's gone wrong? Maybe we weren't as good as we thought. No, actually, do you know what? We're blinking well to get there. Next time we'll be a bit smarter, a bit stronger, and we came up against a very good team. That is sport. So, okay, that definitely deserves a push. I'll agree with that. What's going back to developmental? Losing, man. Losing. Yeah. I lost, we lost our semi-final on Saturday in the competition I've been playing on over here, and it's just the worst. Yeah, I hate losing so much, and it's tough because we weren't the, we weren't the better team on Saturday, but we were for the first 20 minutes, and... Just didn't get the ball over the line enough. Just didn't score enough points when we were dominant. And then made a few mistakes, lost the game. But just, I've had an amazing experience here. But I came for one reason. That was to win the shoot shield. That the competition I'm playing in. That's what I got brought over here to do. That's why they brought me over here. That's why I came. We had the team to do it. The two teams playing in the final tomorrow. We beat them both this season uh, at different occasions. Just not in the semi-final where it counted. So, um, yeah, losing is rubbish. And we lost last Saturday. And it's one of those losses that will hurt for a while okay my earning the push is twofold 
One is actually you, my friend. I'm going to send a bit of love. Oh, stop it. No, no, because I know it's not the result you wanted, but you backed yourself. You went down under. You had a worldly experience down there. You took a chance on your talent. Others recognized it. And yes, I know losing semifinals hurts, but you've created memories and moments. And while the pain will recede, what you've done down there has been pretty special. So I'm going to send some love to you, earning the push. That's going to be wonderful. Thank you very much, Mr. Murphy. That's far too kind. More impressive than you is the Indian Space Mission. So they're my other... Right. Uh, <laughs> okay, yes, right. No, you're going to have to justify that statement. Why is it more impressive than me? Sorry, you did some cracking rugby. I'm very proud of you as a friend, but I do have to... Re I just love space. I love a good space mission. So tell me, what's going on with this? I I've missed this completely. What are the Indians doing in space? They... they <laughs> Sounds very accusatory. What are they doing? In sorry, sorry. <laughs> I don't mistrust them by any way. It's not like we go, what are they up to? What are they doing out there? So they have become the first nation to land at the southern lunar end of the moon. So everyone else has gone to one side. They're the fourth nation to do it, um, to land on the moon, but uh, the first to go at the southern end. And I think it's brilliant. I mean, anytime we explore, go further, push harder, just do something different at a time when often the world is just a bit rubbish. To see that, that's my earning the push alongside I, you. I love it, but I can't I can't let myself think about space too much because I just it just blows my mind too much. Like I can't get talking about it because you'll never stop. But space just ruins my brain. I love it. I love I, I it's the same with me. Like once I go and it's gone outside of our solar system, I'm like, but where is that? Where where How do we know? So well, you know, we just asked the Indian Space Mission Control Team. They'll be able to tell us. So they will get the earning the push alongside you. Back to developmental. Very quick one for me. The impending end of summer. You're coming back just as summer is uh, coming to a close. Autumn is almost here. It's felt like we've had no summer. The nights are getting darker. I do love autumn. I'll be happy for autumn once it's here. But just knowing that actually there are no more sunny days left. It's just full steam. I can't tell you how nice the weather here is at the moment as well. I'm leaving. Like it's been, it's been good the whole time. Like they've had, they've, everyone tells us what remarkable winter they've had here. Like they're like, this isn't a normal winter for us. They're like, we normally have more rain. It's normally colder. So we had an amazing winter, but it's just starting to get summery. Like, and we're going up to the sun. It's called the Sunshine Coast tomorrow. We're going up to, and then a, a week now I'll be in the air. One week today. Oh, there, there's a spoiler, everyone. I won't be recording next. Friday. Yeah, no push next week because Charlie's flying. The, 40,000 feet in the air. This is my last one from Australia. Um, but yeah, I'm coming back to English weather. And honestly, I can see why people come here and stay. It's a, it's very like England, but sunny. It's yeah. essentially how I'd explain Australia to anyone. I'm just glad you've made it through without being killed. Is this oh, hang on. I've got to go up. No, because I've got to go up. I'm going to Steve Irwin's zoo on Monday. So... There's a lot of things that could kill me there. Well, my big fear was you were going to get eaten, stung, swallowed, some sort of horrible ending, because that's what Australia is all about. So I'm just glad you're coming back in one piece. But as you say, because next week you are flying, uh, no push next week, so we'll be back in a fortnight. What will we be talking about in a fortnight's time, Charlie? If memory serves, we'll have payback in the books for WWE by then. Sorry, WWE. No one cares about payback at the moment. Yeah, we will. We'll have payback as well, which is probably quite a nice little show, actually. Um, I think we'll be talking, hopefully, about Adam Cole as AW World Champion. That is all I want. That's all I would like out of All In. I'd like, but then, am I right in saying we'll have we we have we have had we nah, nah, we will have had All Out by then as well? Yeah, I mean, this is Soon? yeah, All Out is the next weekend, so we're literally going to go from All In to All Out with a dynamite in between. 
that's I'm not sure I would have booked it that way, but hey, what do I know? I don't have a multi-billion dollar company. There's going to be so much wrestling to talk about in a fortnight. So next week, no show. Uh, Go back in the archives, listen to some of our best bits from years gone by if you uh, can't get enough of earning the push. If you're listening today, rate, review and subscribe wherever you're listening. If you are at Wembley this weekend, um, come up and say hello. I would love to see you. Not to me, because I won't be there. Go and tell Jack that he's selfish to go without me. Say, Charlie would never have done this to you. Charlie would have sat at home and watched on his sofa by himself in solace, in solitude with you. Yeah, if you believe that, I've got a bridge to sell you. But look, we are out of time. Uh, on behalf of Charlie and myself, thank you for listening to Earning the Push. We'll see you in a fortnight. Enjoy all in. It's going to be something special. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.